Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times, along with Mary Catherine Carmichael. And today we're going to talk about the ins and outs of renting in Bloomington. Joining us in the studio are the vice president of the Monroe County Apartment Association, Doug Horn, uh, an attorney for Student Legal Services, Jim McElvery, and Lisa Abbott, who's the director of the Bloomington Housing and Neighborhood Development Department, HAND, as we call it. If you have questions or comments, please phone us at 855-0811 or 877-285-9348 or send your email to noon at indiana.edu. And Jim and Lisa and Doug, thanks. Welcome to all of you. Thank you. Thank you, Bob. Here today. We're just uh, back. Mary Catherine mm-hmm. and I haven't been together for a while, so we'll, we'll yep. get into the groove here in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so let's start with, a, with a, a, a pretty easy question, I hope, Doug. What is the Monroe County Apartment Association? Well, uh, Monroe County Apartment Association is a, a not-for-profit organization of longstanding. We're affiliated with the Indiana Apartment Association. We represent 60 members give or take here locally that uh, provide 6,200 non-owner-occupied living units uh, uh, to individuals in the county. And we're we're basically around uh, to provide for continuing education of owners and managers in the rental housing industry here locally. We advocate for our membership uh, through participation on various boards and commissions at the local level and the state level through um, our affiliation with the Indiana Apartment Association. Uh, one of the things that, that I guess is principal on our calendar is a series of monthly luncheon meetings where regular members can network with each other and, and with our associate members who are uh, involved in the supply side of our industry. And anyone who owns or manages uh, non-owner-occupied residential property in Monroe County is eligible for regular membership and our associate memberships are also available again mm-hmm. providers of goods and services when, when you when we talk about these non owner occupied uh, dwellings mm-hmm. you know, apartments um, apartments that usually come to mind are the big apartment complexes but the the people the sixty people in your uh, organization also include I assume people who own homes close to campus yes mm-hmm. in fact that 's what our, our my operation uh, does. That's the majority of them. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, is it is anybody allowed to turn any house into a, um, a rental? I, I am not aware of anything that prohibits that. We do have certain limitations in, in zoning law locally that uh, speak to the number of um, of occupants uh, to to a rental dwelling or a house depending on, on the zoning of an area. But I, I don't think there's any prohibition on, um, on renting. Mm-hmm. Did you want to add anything to that? No. Basically, uh, my understanding is that uh, there would have to be certain structural. There's a, a portion of the Bloomington City Ordinance that covers details on the engineering and structural requirements of a rental property. They'd have to be licensed and inspected prior to becoming a, a, a rental unit. But, uh, yeah, for the most part, you find the units all over town. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's no, like, zone that's – this is a no-rental zone or anything like that. That's it's Okay, Lisa's shaking her head no. Yeah. <laughs> no. You can, you can make any unit in the, in the county a rental unit if you just follow the, the rules that are outlined by the Unified Development Ordinance or the um, – Property Maintenance Code, Title 16. Okay. You know, one of the things that comes with being in town for as long as I've been here, and I feel like I've been here forever, is it, it seems like in the uh, maybe late 70s, early 80s, uh, maybe mid-80s, there were big issues involving landlords and tenants, and there were, there were lots of disputes about uh, what the ordinances, ordinances should be in our community. Um, Lisa, your, your department has a list of the ordinances, and, and you inspect properties, and, and you're – responsible a lot of times for making sure, I guess, that the ordinances are followed. Can you talk a little bit about um, about some of the key ordinances that, that you think um, are in place now that kind of keep us from having a lot of conflict? Well, I'll have to confess that the 70s and mid-80s was before I was in Bloomington. But um, Yeah, you're a lot younger than I am. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you. Um, but uh, the main ordinances that we would deal with with regard to rental property would be the zoning ordinances that um, – identify what type of zoning that structure is in. And again, as Doug mentioned, it um, 
will uh, create an occupant load requirement. And then the other main um, ordinance that we deal with um, for rental inspections is Title 16, which um, requires that rental properties in the city um, be maintained to a minimum standard. Okay. Are there certain areas that come to mind in terms of the minimum standard? What are the complaints that you hear about most frequently? What are the complaints that we get? About the minimum standard. I mean, is it... um, not being people not not being not cleaned meeting up, not being, the not, minimum standard. Like is that yeah. people's uh, the outdoors, the yard isn't mowed, or there's trash, okay. or there's insufficient um, uh, electrical outlets, or or yeah. that sort of. Thing. Well, weeds and trash is actually Title Six, um, which is which is a different enforcement. Um, program. And actually, Title VI applies to all properties within the city, not just rental properties, owner-occupied properties as well. Um, We do get a lot of complaints, obviously, about weeds and trash um, for, you know, any type of property across the city. As far as rental is concerned, um, nothing is really springing to mind. We will be hitting into our heavy complaint Mm -hmm. um, season next month. But a lot of them are um, I'll give you a prime example. My stove doesn't work. Well, is it gas or electric? Well, I don't know. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, we encourage everybody who has a complaint to first contact their landlord and then contact us. But we do plumbing complaints, some electric complaints, not usually about not having a number enough outlets because, you know, that is part of the property maintenance code. Um, we get a lot of uh, right now. We're getting a lot of mold complaints because of the flood. Um, so those kinds of things, but they really generally run the entire gamut. Yeah. I don't think we have anything in particular. Yeah, I, th- I think I think I ask a, a very bad question actually, because um, I was thinking of it in a, in a different way. When your inspector goes out, oh. what are the things that the inspector finds more oh. often that that have to be? I mean, okay. there are a list of two or three things that landlords may not be totally familiar with or aware of. Well, I think that the landlords are pretty aware of the program, but one of the most commonly cited violations is lack of power to the smoke detector. Um, and to be perfectly honest with you, a lot of times the tenants take the batteries out. Um, but that's probably the most commonly cited um, violation that I that I see. Um, you know, but otherwise it's it just depends. You know, might be um, missing cover plates on on outlets. Um, I see um, sometimes like leaks in you know in the plumbing under the sink and that kind of stuff, but you know it's it's pretty varied based on the property. Um, yeah, it sounds like the program must be working pretty well if those are the the main complaints. But we'll get to Jim in a, in a minute. We've got a phone call. I want to go to the phone first. Joby's on the phone. Joby. Yes. Uh, good afternoon. Hi, Joby. Hi. Um, I was wondering whether the apartment association uh, would consider or would support rather. Uh, night court hours for the Monroe County Courts to settle some of the disputes. I know that was proposed by one of the primary judicial candidates. And is, is that a good idea? And if so, why or why not? We don't have a position on that. Um, I think if you uh, think about it uh, in your own world uh, as uh, just a, a standard person, uh, are night hours appropriate uh, for this type of a venue? Uh, personally, um, I wouldn't have any problem with it if it uh, facilitated what needed to occur in the court system, uh, perhaps in a more economical way than, than it, and, and in a more timely way than what we're doing now. Jim, do you think that would be uh, useful? Night court? Well, uh, certainly for a number of the parties, uh, getting off work, missing classes uh, can be very uh, inconvenient for them. Um, hadn't really thought about night court. Uh, the only sort of off time we have is when we have the world's greatest arraignment weekend and uh, little five, uh, we, uh, we have court on Sunday morning. Uh, but, you know, anything that's convenient for the public is something that we probably ought to at least consider. Mm-hmm. All right, Joby. Okay. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks a lot for the call. 855-0811-877-285-9348. Or you can send your email to noon at indiana.edu. We're talking with uh, three people today about the ins ins and outs of renting in Bloomington. Um, Jim, you uh, are are from Student Legal Services, so you talk 
you're sort of on the other side of the fence sometimes when students come to you with complaints about uh, where they're living and their, their housing situation. So what do you hear? What, what are the most common complaints that you hear? Oh, it, it's mostly relatively minor maintenance issues, um, a lack of responsiveness to maintenance requests for things like leaks, uh, as we were talking about earlier. Uh, as mentioned previously, we're coming into the big season here when everybody in Bloomington moves two blocks down. Mm-hmm. So, Getting that bigger, better deal. Oh, always. <laughs> so uh, – there will be a, a fair number of folks who pull up with mom and dad in the U-Haul in front of our building. We just tried to move in, but the previous tenants haven't moved out yet. Uh, you know, it's very difficult for everybody that short turnaround time as mm-hmm. one set of tenants leaves and a new one moves in. The biggest overarching issue and uh, what we try to get to our clients to do is communication with the landlords. Uh, so often little problems become big problems. And it's absolutely vital to keep those uh, lines of communication open so little problems don't become big problems. Mm-hmm. You know, a leak around the tub today is annoying. Three months from now, it's rotten subflooring. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so it's important to be very, very prompt in reporting those issues and understand that it is a business for the landlords. And they've got to proceed themselves in a business-like manner. Mm-hmm. All right. I, would, oh, I was just going to say, I would say, I would think that this um, – Rental experience is probably a lot of students' first experience with entering into an actual contract. Do you find yourself doing a lot of education along the way as far as, you know, when you sign this, you really are responsible, blah, blah, blah? Oh, uh, endlessly amazed at folks who come in and say they didn't actually read the lease. (laughs) Some of them can be quite lengthy and I will often have a little difficulty understanding some of the wording and some of the paragraphs. But we tried to encourage folks to come on in with their lease before they sign it and all the good landlords, and that's the vast majority of the landlords, Mm -hmm. uh, don't have a problem with take a day, take two days, get it looked at. And we try to go through line by line, paragraph by paragraph what the obligations are. You're absolutely correct. For most uh, 18, 19-year-olds, this is the first big legal thing they've ever done. Mm -hmm. And we – Tell them you've got to pick your roommates carefully. If half of all marriages end in divorce, and presumably those are folks who are picking roommates with some care, <laughs> uh, is it any wonder that your uh, you know, eighth-grade buddy turns out to be a complete slob? And uh, again, those little things fester over the course and um, roommate versus roommate issues uh, can come up that really don't have anything to do with the landlord or the tenancy itself, but rather just folks living together. Uh-huh. Does student legal, legal services take any kind of a, a proactive education approach on a deal like this? Do you have – or are you aware of any um, programs on campus that kind of uh, uh, how to be a – how to enter into a contract for the first time or, or something about renting, you know, how to be a good renter? Oh, yeah. We have outreach programs where we'll go speak in the dorms, for example. Uh, most of the freshmen are required to live in the dorms, so we'll try and catch them before – the, the lease signing period is usually, what would you say, Doug, January, January February, March, something yeah. like that? It's surprisingly, uh, many people will sign their lease the fir- or for the next year and the first week of school the preceding year. So it, it really is moving to a year-long leasing period where okay. before it was predominantly a January, mm-hmm. February, March arrangement. Wow. Yeah. Okay, we have a couple phone calls. Let's go to Bill first. Bill? Hello, Bill. Hello. Yeah, Bill. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, this is Phil. Phil. Okay, I'm sorry. I apologize. Um, two uh, related questions. Uh, number one, I'm, uh, I'm curious whether HAND, the Apartment Association, and Student Legal Services could all join together uh, and arrive at a uniform or a unified lease um, so that uh, everyone would have a similar, if not the same, uh, and then secondly, whether or not uh, a hand or any of the aforementioned groups would support either a housing court uh, or maybe even a housing um, ombudsman, let's say, through hand. That, those are my questions. Okay. Um, Lisa, uh, you want to try that first? Okay. Well, um, I suppose that if the Apartment Association and Student Legal Services wanted to work with the city on a unified lease, um, we could probably um, 
see what we could do. However, there is no person in the Housing and Neighborhood Development Department who has a law degree, and we pretty much don't practice law. We don't practice law. Um, so, and, um, and, and a lease is a contract. So that would have to be something that would be decided by the, the city legal department. Um, as far as a housing court is concerned, um, you know, if that's something that the landlords in Bloomington wanted to do and student legal services and the other attorneys that were involved in the process wanted to do, I'm certain that we could we could um, try to work something out. But then again, we're not lawyers and we don't practice law. So um, I'm not really sure that we would have the expertise um, in order to facilitate something like that. Let me follow up with Jim first since he is a lawyer. How how would you envision a housing court working? Would it have to work through the regular court system or could you set up a different kind of system? Well, there's there's always the possibility of some sort of mediation program or arbitration program, something along those lines. Uh, to address one of Phil's earlier uh, points, we actually uh, in our office have a model lease. Once in a while, we'll get uh, folks who come in, uh, they're setting up a rental arrangement and there is no lease that uh, our office developed with uh, one of the larger apartment complex owners uh, several years ago. And we actually maintain some informal but reasonably frequent contacts with uh, a number of the landlords. We get invited to the uh, monthly meetings and when we can attend, we do. And uh, we try to work things out uh, as much as we can. Uh, Nobody wins in litigation except the lawyers. And uh, so any sort of an alternative dispute resolution program like that would probably be in the uh, uh, best interest of the folks involved. Mm -hmm. Doug? Well, uh, it's an interesting concept, uh, a unified lease, but uh, the parameters perhaps do it in. I checked with the handoff just at the the beginning of the week when I knew it was coming on here to find out how many registered rentals there are in the Bloomington market. And... uh, I believe, Lisa, that we're close to 22,200 registered rental units in the city of Bloomington now. How many of those service student um, requirements? I, I can't speak to that. But to the, the wonderful thing about having such a large uh, body of property available is competition. And part of that competition is also on the quality side, not only on the dollar side, um, rent levels, but, but, but on the quality side, amenity side, location side. Um, also, term of lease is also something that, uh, that varies from um, – in terms within the lease, um, vary uh, from owner to owner. And um, it's really something that to, to get rid of and go to, a, to some kind of monofocused format does a disservice, I think, to the market. What, what are the key – areas in the lease? I mean, I know a lease is a very long thing, but are there certain things that could be standardized? For instance, I always think about, you know, different leases have different um, deposit requirements. Mm -hmm. You know, some are one month, some are zero, some are first month, last month. Mm -hmm. Are Are there other things that are sort of standard in the lease that you might look at for Well, each each point of the lease actually is a, a point of um, a, a, a positive aspect uh, to the market. The fact that some properties require, in your your example, um, a full month's rent uh, as deposit or no deposit just speaks to uh, a person's need. If you are able to uh, afford that deposit, um, then then there is your market. If you can't, there is a market for you with no deposit and, and those things are important. Um, there are basic things that are covered in a lease obviously, how much rent you pay, whether you pay your utilities or not, uh, whether you're allowed a pet or not, uh, the term of the lease, when your rent is due, do you pay monthly or uh, weekly? All of these things are there I think to fit various people's needs as they approach the market. Mm-hmm. All right. We have a couple of other callers. Joe is next. Joe? Yes, I had a question for the guest panelists there. Uh, You know, the city uh, developed a plan to encourage uh, more apartments downtown so students love downtown, and that would take pressure off the houses near campus. And the idea was to kind of 
encourage owner-occupied housing around campus. I wondered if you think that plan is working, and are we at a point of stability in the apartment market? That is, do you see sporadic construction of new apartments on a small size, much smaller than Smallwood? And how is the new dorm going to affect the rental market when IU puts that online? Doug, I think you ought to take that one probably. Well, it, it's a good question and one that, that we ponder uh, in our office um, fairly regularly. It's interesting. When one sees an increase in supply, you, you would typically see that the market would shift away from, from another type of product. Uh, I think the intent of allowing and, and encouraging uh, downtown development in, in the residence was uh, to take pressure off of the so-called core neighborhoods that – that uh, ring the campus um, and are directly adjacent to it. What we've found in our operation is something that perhaps is counterintuitive. The demand for property we feel close to campus went up once these uh, satellite uh, downtown properties were uh, uh, were brought online and not so much in the first year but the the years after that. Um, in our market, we see a number of people uh, looking to live in core neighborhood areas where they don't have to drive, take a bus or whatever, but, but can walk to school. Mm-hmm. The market, you know, location, location, location. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, uh, it's, it's the place to be if you're, if you're doing business on the university. Mm-hmm. So um, we've, we found a lot kind of upward pressure on, on that market. How about the new dorm at IU, though, when they built that? Would that decrease that pressure? Or? Well, remember, they took a number of units offline. Mm-hmm. Um, and what, as I understand it from um, Lynn Coyne, the uh, vice president for uh, real estate and economic development, uh, who spoke to our organization mm-hmm. a few months back, is that the number of units that will be brought back online with the new construction is, is much less than what they took offline. Hmm. So uh, while we would uh, would obviously see some um, some movement of the market to that dormitory, I don't think that that we will see too much relief on on the core neighborhood. Well, setting. is it still economically viable to buy a house and rent it out, even though there are over a hundred thousand and it's only one or two bedrooms? Is that still economically justifiable for a potential buyer? Well, if you own Ford stock, I'd encourage you to buy the rental property. Um, <laughs> it's, it's one of those things. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's a little tongue-in-cheek there, but it mm-hmm. really is uh, still uh, in university communities. It's, it's mm-hmm. still ranked as, as uh, a, 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 a safe place for, for your money. Yeah. All right. Thanks very much. All right, Joe. Okay. Thanks a lot for the call. Lisa, do you track uh, – does your office track um, units that have gone from rentals back to single family? Not – Specifically, um, we will take something offline in the rental system if it becomes owner-occupied, but we don't necessarily tally them up. Mm-hmm. I'd be interesting to have those figures, you know, uh, post some of this building. All right. Let's go back to the phones. We have Kim on the line. Kim? Good afternoon. I'm interested in a couple of ways that we might improve the uh, quality of life for tenants, including uh, neighbors of tenants. I wondered if a screening process could be adopted for uh, rentals that accept pets. There's a great difference among pet owners in what kind of care they can give their pets and consequently how uh, they're affecting other pet owners uh, living nearby with their pets. What would you screen? Uh, Vet care plans for uh, keeping the animal walked, entertained, um, training of the animal for quietness, plans for during vacation. Doug? Well, in, in t- kind of in line with your question, Kim, um, one thing that personally uh, I have been concerned about is um, landlords, uh, property managers who permit pet situations but really have no on-site facility for them, Uh, a complex that uh, uh, has no yard as an example that that forces the uh, pet owner to, um, you know, visit a neighbor 
and perhaps not in so friendly a way, um, or a municipal tree plot or, or other public area that is really not designed to carry that type of thing. So it's, it's one thing that, uh, that we're talking about quietly. Um, but, uh, not, they're, they're, not that quiet anymore. Well, I guess not. <laughs> I, I, this does feel like a living room, but I know yeah. it's really not. Um, I, and it is something that we are seeing. Uh, it, there, there has been kind of a municipal uh, push toward pet ownership by the mayor. And we have noticed you know, a significant uh, number of requests for uh, pet-friendly situations more than we have in the past. So I think this issue will continue to develop and uh, it's good to talk about it. Jim, do you ever get involved in issues involving pet ownership? Well, it's it's one of our larger problems, actually. Um, I don't have any numbers, but I would say probably most leases uh, prohibit pets quite specifically. And then the client goes out and gets a pet. Mm-hmm. It gets discovered. Uh, and so, you know, an awareness of the responsibilities uh, in maintaining the property. You know, big dog that's kept inside all day long is probably going to do some damage at some point one way or another. So uh, folks really need to be careful about pets and read the lease closely to see whether it's yeah. appropriate or not. Well, I think the, to, if I heard Kim's uh, question properly, I think also the idea of a dog in an apartment may, may wind up barking a little bit and that could cause problems with neighbors. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and the neighbor versus neighbor mm-hmm. uh, conflicts are very, very difficult to resolve. Uh, often the landlord – you know, gets after the fact notice. Uh, even when the police are called, by the time they get there, it's over. And yeah, at yeah. that point, what do you do? Gee, I wonder: do barking dogs get loud enough to violate the noise ordinance? <laughs> <laughs> I, we don't Lisa's have, not touching. No, that no, one. she's not. No. All, right, all right, Kim. Anything else? Along with the uh, noise of barking, is there something uh, that can be done to enlist tenants in? Uh, Avoiding noise like boom cars driven up to the property or cars with loud exhausts. As a neighbor, if that uh, situation would arise, uh, to have to know that the uh, person with the car, with the guests with the loud cars, had uh, signed a lease to not have them making noise on the property or nearby might be helpful in having a negotiation uh, between the tenants before the landlord or police had to be involved. Oh, so you'd like a clause in the lease that says you won't, you won't play host to those sorts of annoyances? Beautifully said. <laughs> Doug? Well, I, I'm not an expert in this area because it's a fairly new program, I think uh, just a year or so old for the city. But if you've noticed... Um, the Bloomington Transit buses with the advertisement on the back of them with the word boom uh, in a graphic. Uh, this this program and ordinance uh, is specifically designed, as I understand it, to reduce the, um, the stereo bass sounds and loud cars, motorcycles uh, that uh, use public, uh, public streets. Um, and I think that this is uh, really something that, that people can get behind. It's a difficult thing to uh, enforce, as I understand it, from uh, friends on the police department. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, it is an attempt to at least recognize publicly uh, that uh, this is something that we need to begin to think about and address. Okay, we're going to come back to the noise issue uh, after we take a break, but we're running a little bit late, so we're going to go straight to the break. You're listening to Noon Edition. We'll be right back. Good talking to you. Thank you. Thanks. You're listening to Noon Edition on member-supported WFIU. Production support comes from Closets 2, providing organized and expanded closet and storage space for home office and garage, using a variety of systems with no major renovations. Closets 2 owned and operated in Bloomington, 332-2233. And from South Dunn Street Project, represented by Brian Lappin Real Estate, classic bungalow-inspired architecture in the Bryan Park neighborhood of Bloomington, www.southdunnstreet.info. If you're a person on the go, you can take WFIU programs with you. We're podcasting. 
Podcasting is a convenient and easy way to download audio files directly to your computer. Listen anytime from your computer, iPod, or portable player. You can download podcasts of full-length programs like Noon Edition, Ask the Mayor, and Harmonia, or short features like Kinsey Confidential, the Ether Game Musical Mini Quiz, and Movie Play and Opera Reviews. You can find out how with a visit to our website at wfiu.org. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg from the Herald Times along with Mary Catherine Carmichael. And today we're talking about renting in Bloomington. Joining us in the studio are Vice President of the Monroe County Apartment Association, Doug Horn, an attorney for Student Legal Services, James McGilvery, and Lisa Abbott, who's the Director of the Bloomington Housing and Neighborhood Development Department. If you have questions or comments, please phone us at 855-0811 or 877-285-9348 or send your email to noon at indiana.edu. We have a phone call. We have a couple of emails. But first, I wanted, I wanted to ask Lisa in terms of that noise question before. It seems to me that, that the city has a welcome packet of some sort that is given to new residents of our community. Is that correct? Well, we actually distribute what we call welcome bags um, to neighborhoods to distribute to new residents in August. And if you're interested, if your neighborhood association is interested in getting some, you should contact Vicki Provine at the hand office, 349-3420. And they will include information about quiet nights and right. lower the boom. Okay. Well, let's go to the phone and Steve. Steve? Hi. Um, I have a couple of quick comments about things that have been mentioned already and then a question. Um, The first one, somebody suggested having a uniform lease for the city. And, um, you know, that would certainly make things simpler for everyone. But, um, well, I'm not an attorney, but I suspect that would not fly constitutionally because there's a long tradition of freedom of contract in this country and um you you know sounds like a good idea but probably uh probably not legal um the other thing i wanted to mention uh is about dispute resolution um now i don't know if this group handles uh landlord tenant relations but there's uh an organization called the Community Justice and Mediation Center, and I've used them myself. It's really great. It's a nonprofit. It's free. Um, so I just want to mention that um, as a resource for people who might have conflicts either with neighbors or roommates, anything like that. And finally, my question is, um, during the past year, uh, there's there seems to have been some confusion about um, how many people live in Bloomington, how many people rent. Um, I remember reading an article earlier this year, uh, and I think it was the the data was from the Apartment Association, um, that all of these new apartments going up, especially the downtown ones, were filling up very fast. And people were wondering, you know, where are these people coming from? We know a lot of them are students. Um, But according to the U.S. Census Bureau, our population is not growing. In fact, it's gone down a little bit. Um, And we know that uh, the Census Bureau does not do a very consistent, consistently good job in counting the student population. And so that's that's made it hard to... uh, to figure out, you know, what our actual population is, how many apartments there are. And uh, um, I guess my question is is also about um, apartments versus houses that are being rented. Um, I think Doug mentioned that um, people who own houses and rent are, might also be a member of the association, but I had always assumed it was just the big apartment owners. And... Um, those new apartments filled up really fast. And I noticed that in some of the core neighborhoods, like my own neighborhood, I've been seeing a lot of for lease or for rent signs out in front of houses, and they seem to be staying there longer. And so I was just wondering if um, the Apartment Association or HAND, you know, has the data on on houses that are being rented as opposed to apartments. It, you know, with a 
big apartment buildings, obviously the information is easy to collect. Um, but with individual houses, I imagine that's more difficult. So, so you so want to know how many houses are being rented? Yeah, sure. Okay. Okay, that we can answer. Well, actually, I can answer that. Um, our rental database would consider a single-family house. We call it a one-over-one, and I don't have an exact number of of how many units are considered one-over-ones. But um, if you email me at work at abbottl at bloomington.in.us, I will – no, that's the wrong one. That's the old one. abbottl at bloomington.in.us. Dot gov, um, I will see if I can't track that down for you. Okay, thank you, Lisa. And uh, I'd like to ask Doug directly um, if he knows how many um, house owners are members of the um, apartment association. It, is it the majority of, of house renters? or No. In fact, it's, it's an area that we, and it's one of the reasons why I was, was brought um, onto our executive committee was to try to develop uh, this section of membership in our organization, again, for educational purposes. Uh, We do have, uh, of our 60 members, um, we do have a few folk, but, uh, and and I can't give you an exact number, but I could go through the list and tick them off and and get something back to you if you'd like to uh, visit our website uh, and get to me. I will uh, be happy to, to do that for you. It's uh, mcaaonline.org. Okay. All right, All right Steve. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Thanks a lot. Bye. I want to address a couple of things that Steve said. Maybe we can clear these up. One is, um, Lisa, you might recall, it seems like the sign ordinance was changed not too long ago to allow for rental signs to be in yards all year round. Do you remember that, Mary Catherine? Mm-mm. I just was worried about balloons coming up in this conversation. No, 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 no. Huh? <laughs> All right. no. no. Maybe you don't know that. The but. sign ordinance is actually um, a planning ordinance, and, yeah. and I'm not really uh, familiar enough right. with it to well, address maybe, that. Maybe one of our city planners who's listening will call and tell me if I'm remembering this correctly, but I thought that there was some something about – Lease, leasing your own home or leasing a property that those signs could stay up longer. Uh, and the other thing is I, I, I uh, believe that the census count excludes students that live in group housing on campus. Other than that, they count everybody. So they would be counting people who are living in all these apartments. That's my understanding of how that works. And I've tried very hard to understand how people – how the census counts Bloomington for a long time. Mm-hmm. I think I finally got it. So anyway, <laughs> there you go. All right. We've got a couple of emails that have come in. Uh, this one is, are landlords required to provide accurate records on occupancy, uh, empty units and number of occupants in each unit? And is anyone monitoring this? Well, we actually don't um, monitor uh, – the occupancy of a unit. I mean, if it's um, if it's occupied or not occupied, what we do is a, um, do the investigation for over occupancy complaints. So you could have, um, you know, let's say you own five units, and if and if four of them are are occupied, we would not necessarily know that. Mm-hmm. Okay, I don't believe that anybody else is checking into that either. Does the apartment association surely you track or somebody tracks occupancy rates? Because I hear this number, you know, discussed a lot that Bloomington has a very high occupancy rate, which makes it very attractive for people who want to get into this business. This is something that we might swap uh, figures uh, in in our luncheon setting, but uh, it's not something that, that we track or publish. In terms of vacancy losses or vac- vacancy rates, is that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So has it, that's more of a state function than than our local function. Okay. All right. Well, I'm, I'm going to ask you this follow up though. Do you, has it gone up or down in these sing, in these single family homes in the core? I think you were talking about how it's yeah. gone up, right? Since since these other apartments have gone online, these big big. Complexes. Each each neighborhood is different. If you look at um, you know. A, the old northeast, uh, a Green Acres situation, um, the Elm Heights Neighborhood Association, uh, Prospect Hill, all the others. Each each one has their their different story to tell, um, and you know location is just that. There are rings of interest and, and closeness to the university. As you as you move away from the boundary, you might see for rent signs running a little bit longer into a season than what you 
have seen in the past. But um, it is my personal impression that you don't, we don't have vacancy losses close to campus. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thanks a lot. 855 and noon at indiana.edu. Here's another email that came in. It's interesting to hear the gentleman tout competition as good in Bloomington. Competition in Bloomington obviously doesn't help the affordability of housing locally, which is known throughout the country as very high. Can we have a little discussion of this situation? Thanks. I guess not. Uh, Doug, what about the affordability issue? Well, uh, I guess I go back to uh, my E103 class um, at the University Economics, uh, Basic Economics, uh, a supply and demand function. Um, We evidently have a demand that will support the pricing structure that we have here in Bloomington. Mm -hmm. Um, We have a supply that seems to be growing, um, but we don't really notice an effect on rents, uh, and that that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess that would be my. Have you ever been accused of collusion among yourselves as far as uh, setting rents or discussing? You know, obviously, you guys do talk about things. So, I mean, did anybody I what, say, "Hey, look, you know, we're going to charge uh, five fifty for a one bedroom, and don't anybody go below that because that's bad for all of us." I really do think that what we find is uh, a chicken and egg situation. Does the price of real estate in Bloomington drive rents or does rent drive the price of real estate in Bloomington? Uh, And that one has yet to be answered. Uh, But in terms of collusion, I am not aware of any collusion. Okay. I want to change focus just a little bit. We've got people coming into town. Um, Most of them will have already probably signed a lease prior to this time. But if you are um, a parent trying to help a child uh, lease their first apartment or their first house or, you know, something along those lines, what what kind of advice do you give those folks? What kind of uh, pitfalls do you try to steer them away from? And anybody, any of the three of you, I would like to hear from this. Whenever somebody calls our department and asks about renting, we recommend that they come in and take a look at the rental file. We keep a documented file of every registered rental unit inside the city limits, and it has all of the past inspection reports and complaint reports and notes from the inspector and the office um, staff in it. And a lot of times it's a a good indicator of how well-maintained a unit might be, Um, and, and that we think that's a generally a pretty good place to start. So any complaints that have been lodged uh, about that particular property would be found in that file. If they were found to be valid, we would do a we would do a complaint report. If they were not found not valid, then there would be a slip in there that says what the complaint was and that we found it to be not valid. Okay. You know, we encourage uh, renters, especially first-time renters, uh, to to really take a good long hard look at the costs involved. Uh, we get a lot of kids who, well, if I live out in town, uh, it can be cheaper than living in the dorms. And so as we go through a lease analysis or we're speaking to a, a group of students, uh, maybe international students who aren't as familiar with our system, you know, have they really thoroughly explored things like is parking included, uh, street parking, is internet access going to be something separate, uh, who pays the cable bill, uh, what is the total cost? For that particular unit, uh, the more specificity that they can get up front, probably the uh, better that tenancy is going to go for them. Is there an online worksheet somebody could access? As far as I'm, I'm, you know, just ticking off those things that you just mentioned—that's so valuable. Yeah, actually, at our website at Student Legal Services, we've got a top ten renters list that kind of goes through some of the things that folks ought to consider. Uh, before running anywhere, mm-hmm. uh, let alone some place specifically. That's great. Well, it, it is interesting since uh, since the student body as freshmen are required to live on campus, uh, there is an opportunity to keep your ears open, uh, learn about the market, uh, shop directly and indirectly uh, if, if you plan to live off campus or to make the comparison between off campus and, and campus living. Uh, once... Uh, 
the, the real challenge with that uh, for students is educating their parents uh, when it comes to what the market is and what it isn't. If a student has found something that's appropriate for them and they have done their research and find that this to, to be uh, an appropriate uh, place for them to be, getting mom and dad to buy into that may be a little bit more difficult. Uh, but it Again, it's uh, it's a process, and in, in, in the market, it, it really is a market-driven um, opportunity. Mm-hmm. All right, um, Lisa, I want to ask you about just the occupancy um, ordinance. What what does it say now in terms of people living in one of the homes that uh, one of the members of the apartment association would own? Well, um, in in general, um, the occupant loads are based on the zone, the underlying zoning. So if it's a residential core neighborhood, um, unless it's grandfathered, it's typically three unrelated adults. Um, in multifamily, it, it can be different occupant loads, um, up to five. Uh-huh. And, um, and in some particular cases, the occupant load is actually calculated on the square footage of the unit rather than on the, on the zoning. Okay. But in general, if you are renting a, um, a single-family house, it's, it's usually three unrelated adults. And understand that you know, a family could live there and that would be different. Um, but if you and two of your friends um, from high school are going to rent a place, then that's generally about it now. With that said, every registered rental unit should have their occupancy permit posted in the unit and the occupant load for that particular unit is specified on the permit. And some of them have been grandfathered with higher occupancy. Yes. So, but you should definitely check um, what the uh, what the permit states um, is the occupant load, and you should you should adhere to that because if you are charged with uh, violating the occupancy um, ordinance, then there are generally well there are fines. Uh-huh. So, if a couple owns a home, could they then have three other unrelated adults living with them, or just one? Just one. Just one. Okay. All righty then. All right, eight five five zero eight one one eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight and noon at indiana dot edu. We just have a few more minutes. I love this question because it touches on uh, something that we worked on on leadership Bloomington Monroe County this year. It's, the question asks: Could you explain to me why apartments are exempt from the recycling policies? What is the recycling policy with regard to apartment complexes? How many apartment complexes do or do not have recycling programs? And can anything be done to ensure that apartment complex at least give tenants the option to recycle. This has been a hot topic in Bloomington for a long time. Sounds like four questions. Yep. <laughs> Doug, do you know four answers? Well, I can give you a broad answer, hopefully that will touch each one. We, we have uh, been discussing this at the Apartment Association. Um, there, there is a, a strong, uh, strong willingness to develop a workable program. Uh, the city, I'm sure, can tell us that we, we have challenges with just a single residence recycling program and collection of that. Uh, if you uh, overlay the problems that you that might come about with uh, hundreds of residential units in a, in a small space, uh, you can imagine what we're, we're up against. But we definitely are talking about it. We uh, are looking forward to speaking with uh, the city, with the Sustainability Commission um, and, and others uh, to try to get something that works uh, uh, from the beginning, not to, to have a program forced uh, upon an industry without uh, some planning uh, and, and a timeline for Im- implementation. But uh, obviously, we're, we're going to be moving in this direction. Lisa, do you want to comment on this? Well, actually, I think Doug did a really good job. I mean, I know that there's some interest in the city in doing this. Um, it actually came up in the Public Works uh, budget um, hearing last night. And I, I believe that the city is going to be moving in that direction. And I think that, um, that they will really want to work with the Apartment Association to make sure that it's done correctly. Mm-hmm. And is there anything keeping from current apartment dwellers from collecting their recycling and taking them um, down on South Walnut and, and recycling them there using the recycling center? No, not at all. And actually, um, the county has uh, collection sites all around the county, so you could you could take your recycling to any one of those um, collection sites right now. 
Okay. Okay. A couple last uh, items in the last two or three minutes. I mean, one is, uh, Jim, if there's a, a student uh, out there who has um, an issue, what should they do? I mean, how, how do they work with you? Well, uh, our program is for the student body here in Bloomington uh, at IU, and uh, they contact us either in person at our office or through our website. We have an interactive intake form that they fill out, and it really depends on the nature of the problem. Uh, often, we'll ask right up front, have you told your landlord about this? Something like the leaky bathtub. Mm-hmm. Well, no. They're not very responsive, and well, you have to start there. Um, the city has uh, a fair number of ordinances that, that are pretty good, um, but there's a reasonableness factor. Uh, you have to put the landlord on notice, give them a, a reasonable chance to go ahead and fix the problem. If that doesn't work, uh, we will often send them over to hand if it's a, uh, an ordinance violation issue, uh, get that third-party expert opinion as to whether it really is an issue or not. Um, from there, we may write a, a letter informing the landlord of uh, how we see that particular issue. And then, of course, ultimately, we may end up in court. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I want to mention uh, to Doug, I went to your website today, and I just have to note that there is a great frequently asked questions section for people who are renting. And anybody who is in in the community, I mean, there are so many questions that come up for whether it's legal to to do this in advertising or – I mean, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to read a couple of these because I think they're great. And I'm not going to expect you to have the answers for all of them, but these are things that people are thinking about and they want to do the right thing. Um, you know, I have four applicants who all want the same apartment. Do I have the right to pick the one that I think is best? I, I assume so, but – I guess we're not going to answer all these. Um, I don't think an applicant will be a good tenant. Can I just say that an apartment is not available rather than give them the real reason? I mean, there there are, are tons of questions on here that I think, and there is a, a lawyer who's responded to them. So there's a lot of help for people who want to to rent in Bloomington. Thank and you. Do it the right way. Thank you. Right. Well, I just wanted I just wanted to to thank Jim uh, for being here and the service that he provides to the student body. And also point out that it is our hope and I, I think our experience that folks that have problems with their landlord are in a, a vast minority. Uh, the Apartment Association uh, has over the years worked very hard to educate the landlord community uh, in terms of fair housing – federal fair housing standards and um, – we feel we've done a good job. All right. Thank you. I want to thank Doug Horn for being here, Jim McGilvery and Lisa Abbott. For Mary Catherine Carmichael, producers, producer Colin Bishop and engineer Mike Pashkash, I'm Bob Zaltzberg. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org.